Welcome, Mildred, to the Black Rate Connect podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Black Rate Connect podcast, where I speak with some of the most inspirational, some of the most powerful, influential black creatives, professionals, entrepreneurs. And today I have Mildred Talavi, who is an expert basically in personal branding, CV writing, LinkedIn as well. Um, and yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me here, Alicia. I'm looking forward to our conversation. No worries. No worries at all. So I was saying to you earlier on that it's actually very, it's very rare that I meet individuals that are doing pretty much almost exactly what I aspire to be doing. And I feel like you've been, you've done that because you're an author. One thing I forgot to mention is that Mildred's also an author. You're a speaker <laughs> as well. Um, you've done talks with universities, companies, you've done so much. So I want to kind of get back and understand a bit more about your journey and how you landed to where you are today. Is that okay? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so first of all, going back, whereabouts were you um, raised? Where do like, Tell me about your childhood, like who did you grow up with, as much as you like to reveal, just so we can understand a bit more about you. Sure, I was actually born in um, Nigeria. Okay. Um, and I came to the UK when I was really young, and unfortunately I haven't been back since. So Since you've been young? Since I've been young. and I, I, I'm not even going to reveal how long that is, but let's just say it's way too long, way too long. Um, So... I was born there, grew up here. I have this dual identity thing going on, even though I've lived here like three times as much as I've ever lived there, but it's still home because that's where I'm from, you know? So, so yeah, that was my upbringing. Um, so, and I grew up in East London mm. and then kind of moved around all different parts of London mm. really before settling where I am now in Kent, okay. outside of London. Okay. <laughs> you know? So when you were um, younger in your childhood, what were some of the things that you were particularly really good at and that, that you wanted to do? Because I, I noticed when I read a bit about you and you mentioned that you was quite introverted. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, so what was mm. you like? What inspired you when you was when you was quite young? So one thing I've always loved to do from the time I was little is write. Right. I was practically born with a pen in my hand. So I was literally always I loved reading and writing, but writing was like it just came natural to me, like second nature from the time I was young. I don't have many pictures from when I was little, but the few that I do have I'm in front of a book or some kind of <laughs> something, you know, some kind of writing material from really young. So that's something that's been in me mm. right from when I was little. And in fact, I won my first writing competition, age seven, um, at a poetry. Um, I entered some poetry competition and I won. And so I, it's lost somewhere, but I remember my parents had framed it and I saw it much later when I was older. That's so amazing. writing is something that I've always kind of had in me. Okay. And then, yeah, and then growing up, my personality type and the whole introvert thing, I didn't know what on earth that was until mm. I was an adult, mm. full-grown adult. Had I known it earlier, probably would have so saved me a lot of hassle growing up because you just kind of, this is without going too deep into the whole introvert thing. Um, mm. Have you heard of Susan Cain? No, I haven't. Okay, so if you know anyone is an introvert you want to understand them better susan Cain has an excellent book called quiet right. you know the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking so essentially in a western society we celebrate noise and loudness and mm. talking and all of that mm. so when you grow up an introvert you kind of grow up thinking there's something wrong with you you know and that this was what i thought for a long time until i got to the stage of adulthood mm. you know and then also one of the misconceptions people have is 
introversion and shyness so like oh if you're an introvert you must be shy no they're not the same thing mm. there was a time where i was shy as a kid growing up but mm. i quickly realized well not quickly but after a while i realized it was like it's not there's a difference between the two you know shyness is like a crippling thing it stops you from doing things mm. introversion is a personality type and as I grew to understand the difference and what it meant as an adult, mm. one of the key differences is the way we recharge. Mm. So like I love doing, as you said, I do speaking, I do lives, I do all of that stuff and I love it. But when I'm done, don't come and talk to me. <laughs> you know? So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> because when I, when I think about myself, mm-hmm. I think most people will say, oh, you're an extrovert, Alicia, you're an extrovert. Mm-hmm. But I recharge by myself. Mm. Even though I'm, a, like, I'm sociable, yeah. but I'm not quiet either yeah so that's that's an that's interesting yeah so when you when you say you you recharge by yourself just to see how aligned it is when i recharge by myself what are some of the things that you do by yourself yeah. so i i'm married and i've got two daughters who are under well six and eight so kids it's kind of hard to recharge when kids are around because they're full of energy but my even my husband he's an extrovert he's like the opposite life mm. of the party type person so they even them i've i've taught them that Mummy, <laughs> a wife, knee <laughs> space, me time, just me. Mm. So like, oh no, I'm not doing this at the moment because I'm doing a 75 hard challenge, that's something else. But what I did used to do a lot is just every Friday night was Mildred's Netflix time. By, by yourself? Just me. Watching dramas that my husband doesn't want to watch and I couple of time. The ones that make me cry. <laughs> you know, like all of those. <laughs> I'm there like popcorn and tissues. <laughs> that's you time. Yeah, that's me. Kids are in bed, hubby's watching football or doing whatever. Just Mildred. You know, so like having those kind of times on a regular basis, just alone mm. time where I'm not like being called and pulled in and all of that. They help me recharge. Mm. you know so like if i do an event and i do speak speaking events and all mm. of that when i come off stage i don't mind talking to people and all of that but when after that it's like yeah i need me time just yeah. me because i've spent a lot of energy yeah now i need to get that energy back and the way that i do it is just by being on my own that's you know? so interesting yeah. because i feel the same whenever i like before i do like a podcast interview mm-hmm. or before i was i do a workshop or a talk I don't like speaking to many people or anyone mm. because I'm trying to make sure that I've got as much energy. I've, you know, I bring as much life into those meetings. But I, I just thought that that's just I, I didn't really process it as anything. I just thought that's yeah. something that I do. I yeah. didn't realize that that could be a trait of an introvert. Yeah, and this is the power of reading stuff, right? Mm. Literally, apart from the Bible, um, mm. reading that book, um, Quiet, was like one of the most life-changing books I ever read. You know, really? honestly, that season came but quiet because I was like, whoa, I feel like I finally understand myself, you know, mm. in, in all of this stuff, you know. So I understand why certain why I operate certain ways and it mm. became a strength, you know. So now I know that, for example, I don't book multiple meetings in the same day because mm. I know by the end of it, my energy is draining yeah. and I'm useless. You know, so I don't do coaching in the evenings because I realize it's by the evening time when I'm in mum mode, you know, and then after that, it's like I have no energy to be coaching anyone with my clients. So I don't do coaching in the evening. So I understanding yourself allows you to work life in a way mm. that works for you, you know, and it makes things so much better. But then do you ever or have you ever in your mm. career um, come across a time where you don't have what's the right words you're just starting out 
Mm-hmm. So you kind of take the times that are kind of given to you by clients. Did you have those, did you have that time period where you would do a talk in the evening or a coaching session in the evening because that's the only time that client would do? Mm. Did, you, did you have those time periods? Absolutely. So um, when I started my business, so my business journey has been maybe 14 years I've been in business, right? But of that, at least 12 of those is I was side hustling. So I had a daytime job and then I was still doing um, my business. 12 always. out of the 14 years? Yeah, at, at least 12 okay. of those years, you know, I was side hustling. So my background is I trained as a journalist. I worked in the media yeah. for a bit before I did comms and PR and all of that. But I always had a business on the side. So I kind of did both, you know. And then, but the first time I went full time in my business was about 10 years ago. You know, and I was like, right, never working for anyone else again. <laughs> you know, so I lasted like eight months. And then my husband was like, please go back to work. It's not working for us. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I at was like, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it just was not working for any of us. And I felt like I failed because inside yeah. I knew I was an entrepreneur. Yeah. And it was just like, but why couldn't I make it work? Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's like it's the right thing, but the wrong time. time yeah. You know? timing is everything so fast forward 10 years later and I was able to leave again you know this time I left and I was doing my own business for two solid years and it's it going good you know so I ended up okay. doing a, the side job that I was doing now just because it was a good fit mm. not because I needed to you got know? you got so you. but just to answer your question initially in the whole business thing especially as you're starting up and you're growing you do any and everything yeah you know because you want the clients you want the experience you want to grow your business you do any and everything mm. but as I've grown more mature in my business mm. and as I've learned about myself and how I work best mm. I say no to certain things mm. for example one of my boundaries I never meet with anyone before 10 you know, before 10 a.m. I do that now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you and know. I'm not as established yeah. yourself, but I don't, Yeah, I really don't you like know? early morning meetings. I think there's a yeah. book, actually, not a book, sorry, there's a talk that I'm booked for in April and they told me the time, they said 8 a.m. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so early. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> so it's like when you have the band, if I'm making an exception, there has to be a very good reason for it. Yeah. You know, for me to meet, meet before 10 o'clock or like do a weekend event, for example. Yeah. weekend of my family time you know right. so those kind of things and I've learned from experience that when I do those things it doesn't feel right with me yeah. you know when I'm break and so I had to establish those boundaries so when mm. you're growing your business in the beginning yes there are some hustles and stuff that you do mm. but start as early as possible start putting boundaries mm. you know and build your business around your life mm. as opposed to building your life around your business because mm. that other way doesn't work very well in the long run that's a really good thing to keep note of like building mm. your your life around no building your business, business around, your life. around your life that's so yeah. important because i feel like work i mean down to even yesterday i'll be 100 percent when i was talking to nathan i was barely i was crying mm. because i said i feel like i'm everything's unbalanced right now i feel like i'm giving so much Mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm not getting enough back. And I was really honest, and he was like to me, every entrepreneur's gone through this. Like, mm-hmm. do you agree? Is that, <laughs> just to verify that they've been telling life. If you don't go through this, at least once every six months, you ain't doing nothing, yeah. you're doing something wrong. Honestly, and the, <laughs> yeah. and the thing is, it's so frustrating because 
I don't know if you've had this as well mm. where you have friends or people around you that are not on the same journey as you mm. that don't understand because they see it from an exterior perspective and they think but you're doing well you're doing fine you, you was happy last month yeah. so why are you upset now yeah. and they don't understand the emotions and I'm like am I am I going crazy <laughs> have you had those experiences before? 100%, 100%. How, do you, how do you manage those experiences so it it usually passes that's the first thing but okay. also as as nathan said to you as it it's normal it honestly as an entrepreneur and and especially if you're a high achiever i'm i'm a high achiever mm. you know it's like i'm always like trying to go for the next thing i'm better than myself than my previous self you mm. know mm. so it's always like there's this part of you that Yes, while you celebrate, mm. you're still kind of like, okay, there's, I'm also going for the next thing and mm. this next. So that is very normal. The fact that you mm. feel like, yes, I've done this, but there's just so much, because there's so much more, more else that you've yeah. got inside of you. So it's almost like a never ending quest kind of thing. But the secret, and I'm still learning this, you know, because mm. sometimes I'm like, God, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and for me, I, I cry in prayer. Like I'm, like, I'm like, Lord, what is going on? You know, and and, and then it's like kind of, I, I tell you, my 30th birthday, which was a, a long time ago, was a huge disappointment for me, right? Wow. Because I had all of these goals that I wanted to hit before 30. You know, so I had like, I needed to be this. In fact, I used to say to my brothers and sisters, right, I'm one of five. I used to say to them, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? This was like from the time I was Young. teens. Yeah, you know, so come my 30th birthday and that hadn't happened. Guess who would pop up to remind me, right? Your brothers and sisters, <laughs> yeah, like, They're like, oh, by the way, you said, I'm like, don't tell no, me, I remember. Honestly, your, your siblings, they can be the worst sometimes. Like, I love them, <laughs> but sometimes they they be reminding you. Yeah. My younger my sister said, to me at my 30th I said you're 30 now shouldn't you have some kids I was just like you're gonna give them to me <laughs> like how's it gonna happen honestly honestly but it's, it's life like I've learned I've, I'm learning still that there's gonna be things that you set for yourself and sometimes yeah. you don't achieve them not because you're incapable mm -hmm. but I think it could be like you said timing timing you know? yeah yeah and one of the biggest things I had to learn to do is let go of time mm. so like for me I'm a person of faith right mm. you know um, I love Jesus so it's like but we we have words like we mm. when I talk to him it's like kind of there's a time and I and I used to have like all these time, by this time this, by this time this, by this time that. Mm. And then one day he showed me like Mildred, a lot of your frustration is because of the time you place on things. A hundred It's not the goal that is wrong, it's the timeline exactly. that you're working with. You exactly. know. So it's been like a, a journey of almost a decade of trying to just kind of like forget the time. Yeah. Just trust that you're going in the right direction, you're doing the right thing, mm -hmm. you're gonna get there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, you're gonna get there. And to be honest, like mm. just, I know this is a biblical podcast, but just because mm. I'm a believer as well, and I've, I've noticed a trend in the Bible with people mm. that do really great things, it's a long time. It takes mm -hmm. them to get to that point to achieve it. It would like when you look at the the like the things that they go through and the number of years and everything. Mm. So so that encourages me and reminds me. And outside mm. from the Bible, I feel like when I see people that are successful, that's why it's good to have these conversations. Yeah. It reminds me that yes, it does take you time. You said ten years. Yeah. You know, before you could again quit your job and work for yourself mm -hmm. full time. So that's that's inspirational. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I wanna go back to um the start of your career journey mm -hmm. because there's so much um knowledge that i think you have in regards to personal branding and really like linkedin and everything but i want to go into your journey a little bit so yeah you study journalism mm -hmm. um yes. why out of interest 
the writing thing. Oh, so, the writing thing. But funnily enough, um, I've always loved writing, but I have African parents, Nigerian parents, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So like, what's about so, 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 so you can imagine <laughs> that writing was not on their list of career options for their daughter. So at one point when I was in college, I was on the path to become a lawyer, you know? So I was studying law, I'm at college and stuff. And then it's like I realised in my second year of college that I, I don't like law. <laughs> not only do I not like law, but I would have to spend another 10 years studying before I can get a proper career. And I was like 17, 18. I was like, no way mm. am I spending that much of my life. So I deliberately, deliberately failed my law exams. <laughs> right? <But I> failed, hey! <laughs> Don't tell my parents. Mildred chose violent. <laughs> Listen, young people study. <laughs> study. You deliberately, but Deliberate them. and oh. by deliberate, it means I didn't revise. Okay. I didn't revise. I was like, if I don't revise, I'm You're just going to turn out. If I know it, I know it. If I don't know it, I, I didn't yeah. know it. I got like an E or something. So I was able to then say to my parents, you know what? I didn't do that well in law. And actually what I really love to do is writing. So that's what I'm going to do at uni. You know, and then they could, the argument was wasn't could wasn't that strong because they couldn't say to me, "Well, go and do law," because I'm like, I failed law. It was mm. rubbish. You know, so I went to uni and I did creative writing and film studies. That's you know, cool. so and I said at that time I started getting the idea of what can you do with writing, and I I, I saw journalism was an option, mm. and I remember saying to my parents, "I want to be a journalist," and my dad was like. Black people don't become journalists, <laughs> you know? This was like 20, how many years ago now? I don't you know, don't, you don't 20 something. years ago, right? But I you hear know? you though. Yeah, he was like, black people don't become journalists. So no, that's not a good career option. I was I'm a, I was a little bit headstrong. Now I like yeah. to say strong-minded. Yeah. <laughs> I've changed it, like, yeah. you know, so it's like I'm doing this anyway. Yeah. And that's what I went to. I went to uni, I studied creative writing and film studies, absolutely loved it. You know, because another thing I also hated at during school time was exams. Mm. You know, I was good at coursework, hated exams, you mm. know. So my g degree was like 100% coursework. Oh. So I did, yeah, I did really well. Because exams for me is always about just how much you know. It's not how much you can cram, not mm. how much you know. Mm. And I was rubbish at cramming. So yeah. um, I left, I finished uni, got like a 2-1 or whatever. And then I went into my first role in a magazine i worked as an editorial assistant in this mm. film magazine and then like it was just like a fish in water you know yeah it was just perfect within three months i was promoted to assistant editor so i was really? like really yeah i was like 22 like leading a, a magazine you know as one of the you know apart from your mm -hmm. apart from your writing skills yeah there, there must have been other softer skills that you had that enabled you to thrive so quickly at, at a young age yeah what were some of those skills that you feel like you had at the time that helped you get promoted in such a short space of time? Very good question. It's like, it's only later on as an adult that I could put words to what these things were. Okay. But one of the skills that I'm, I have is I'm focused. So like, right. if I set my mind on something, it's getting done, <laughs> you know? So like, if I commit to something, mm. it's getting done. Mm. I remember, um, um, at university, you know, um, so I was 19 and at the time I became a Christian and I remember like I wanted to like read, mag I was into magazines and stuff, obviously I wanted to be a journalist, but they had all these magazines, Sugar and all the whatever else they yeah. were called and they had just boys, makeup, it was just, it wasn't interesting to me. And I was like, why don't we just have a magazine that inspires people to do more with their lives? Mm. And cause I couldn't see one, I created mm. one, you know, mm. so I created a magazine called Deeper 
and it was like um i i just got some people from uni put i'm really good at pulling people together for stuff really really good at that i'm like i'm a because i'm a bit of a visionary like it's like a case of i can share a vision about something get people to buy in mm. so i just shared my vision this is what i want to achieve and i got mm. people to work for free for free <laughs> you know students you know to work on a magazine with me what's to be fair it's easier when you're yeah, students but yeah, what yeah. what was the sell to them was it just yeah. like this is experience yeah for you? it was yeah it was this experience it was like we're creating this alternative magazine you know we're gonna do this big thing so and that that was the thing and i bought into the vision and it was uh we produced our first and our last edition, because <laughs> we ran out of money. <laughs> you know, so, so, but the thing is, yeah. back then, I guess in back then in uni, you didn't really do digital yeah. magazines, did you? It was all physical. It was print, ones. so we literally uh, printed. So we printed it, and we went to like events where there were students, and we'd give it out, hand it out, distribute the thing. But we we didn't have enough money to produce another issue after that. Oh, and no. I remember at the time actually we I had enough sense to try and get an advertiser on board, right? Mm. So but the advertiser um, was a computer magazine or something, and they mm. agreed to give us some computer mice to in exchange for a whole back page advertising. And at the time I was excited. I was like, we're getting some computer mice that we can give away to people. Little did I know, should ask for money. Yeah. <laughs> You know? I, I was gonna say, yeah, computer yeah. mice isn't gonna pay for the magazine. It was not but gonna pay for the magazine <laughs> unless you sell it online. But yeah, I was, was nineteen, it? and I was. This is my first. Well, it wasn't my. You learn, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it was like, and so that was it. That was so. I think by the time I got to leaving uni mm. and starting my career, I had all this kind experience. of experience and experience and evidence of like she's serious yeah because you know, also during summer university summer while other kids were out playing and stuff i would go to summer uni camps and i would go to journalism training and i would be doing wow so you were like serious that. i was okay serious. that's yeah. that's yeah. why you probably progress really quickly because yeah. I, re I remember back when i used to do um recruitment and i used to meet candidates and they and they said for example oh i'd like to be a social media manager or i'd like mm -hmm. to uh, but i haven't no one's given me the experience mm -hmm. my response is always you can create the experience yourself. Yeah. Like this is, like that's a no brainer. You can ask someone that you know to manage their account or just create an account and start managing it and start growing it and seeing how that is. And I feel like what you did is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. In university, I feel like there's that grace period that um, I guess companies have, even in life actually, you don't have yeah. to be in university. Yeah. You can create something. So yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that you made it, mm. I guess, not you didn't just do it one time but you also use that experience to go on to do the summer camps and yeah you know use it when you left to mm -hmm. go to work did you have any challenges as a black as as a black journalist mm -hmm. or black editor when you first left university were there any particular challenges that you faced that came later so, okay so the first magazine i worked for was an urban film magazine so i was around loads of black people you know we used to do festivals and all that and i was managing the magazine it was lovely loved it used to get to watch films for free as well you know so it was like hey but and then so after that so i i hadn't trained as a journalist properly at this point i just graduated creative writing and film studies and then after that um i had this mentor who mm. i used to do summer university with mm. she's a black woman used to work for the guardian or telegraph one of them at the time she used to carry this her name's adeline she's still alive <laughs> i tag her on linkedin every now and then and again she used to carry this briefcase where she had all these newspapers of the day she had broadsheets the sun the, and she used to come and teach us and i used to look at her like wow 
I want to be like her when I grow up. You know, so she was my mentor and we kind of stayed in touch. Mm. Long story short is um a few years into doing that job at the assistant editor at the magazine, she kind of called me up one day and said, listen, I've got this meeting with um News International. They're the company that owned the Sun, the Times, all of that mm-hmm. major at the time. She said, um, they're doing this scholarship scheme, you know, for to help to train journalists, you know, talented journalists and stuff like that. And I put your name forward, you know, so are you interested? I'm like, of course, yeah. Ended up meeting with a guy, with the people at News International, and mm. they were like, we only give out free scholarships a year, and my God, we wish we'd met you beforehand because you're brilliant. Mm. And then so I left, and then they were like, they called me back and said, you know what, we're going to make an exception. We're gonna, you're going to be our fourth one. Oh, that's you know, amazing. So that's, yeah, so that's how I ended up training officially as a journalist. All okay. expenses paid with News International. Like They put me through a program, did yeah. the course, and part of it I got... Um, I got work experience at The Guardian, which later on became a job at The Guardian newspaper. Mm. Now, this is where my color came into it because it's like, I, I enter The Guardian now and it's, and there's like, everybody's white, <laughs> you know? It's like, everybody's white, everybody's mm. middle class. Well, maybe there was like five people who weren't white, you know? And most, practically everyone's white, mm. middle class from a certain place. And I'm here from East London, black, you know? Mm. Like just, and I was like, I felt black. And I remember there was one mm. time, because every morning at, um, we used to have like this briefing at The Guardian to talk mm. about what the news for the day was. Yeah. And I remember one time there was something had happened in EastEnders or something, or some racist storyline that all the papers needed to cover. And they needed somebody to like give an opinion of it who was of color. And, and there's in, I'm sitting in this room, there's about 60 white people, about three of us who were like not white. And then they were like, so what are your thoughts on this? And everyone's kind of looking in my direction. You know, I'm there. I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me alive mm. because at one, I, I, I hadn't found my voice yet. <laughs> the work that I do today, I wish I knew it back then. I mm. hadn't found my voice mm. yet. I was uncomfortable. It was, I was put on the spot there and I didn't have anything to say. Mm. And there was nothing I could do to contribute to the conversation. I remember leaving that situation, really kicking myself, but there was nothing I could do different. But it just went to show just like a lot of the issues we have today in the media and the way of reporting is done and all of that because it's not diverse. Mm. When you go into those boardrooms and those places, it's 20 years later. It hasn't changed that much. So, you know, question, what would you have said knowing, knowing what you know now? What would you have said in that in that scenario? I probably would have said something smart and clever that would have put black people in a much better light than whatever ended up coming out in the article that day. You know, mm. I, I honestly cannot remember exactly what the story was, but all, I just remember feeling like this heat on me and feeling mm. embarrassed and feeling like I had to carry the whole burden mm. of everyone black on my shoulders mm. at 23 or however old I was mm. at the time. And I couldn't carry it, you know, and I failed. You know, so I remember just feeling like, whoa, that was a big thing. But now, today I use my platform to speak up on issues that I care about. One of them is social and racial justice. Yeah. You know, so that's the thing. So I've I've matured a lot. But yeah, it did take some uncomfortable experiences to get there. What would you say are some of the idle coping mechanisms for anyone that's not just within journalism, but in the workplace? And they are the... I guess they're, they're the minority and they're put in a lot of uncomfortable situations and they may not have the, the knowledge and experience that you have. What can they do if they frequently experience things that like pertaining to them feeling like they're the only one, mm. not feeling like they have a voice? 
what's some advice that you might give? Yeah, so fast forward, I don't know, however many decades later, so, and as a more mature Mildred, and I'm in jobs like at the moment, one of the things that I, one is to be comfortable in your own skin. Mm. This is it's so important that you're com you're comfortable in your own skin and like this is who I am. I know, for example, there's issues around black women and how to hit where their hair at work. Mm. I've never I've never had that issue because I've, that's one thing I've always been like. I like to do my hair, and don't I'd say to people, don't remember me by my hair because it might change next week. <laughs> <laughs> Like, do you know what? Yeah. I do that all the time to my colleagues and they yeah. I always see their faces but I'm just like yeah, yeah I had black wig yesterday today I've got braids yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know like, and that's my freedom that's how I express myself so, yeah. so it's that whole thing of when we're comfortable in ourselves like we need to stop apologising for being black it's not nah, a crime. that's so true. You know, it's not a crime. It's yeah. not the workplace structures of this is how it's meant to be. Somebody set that up. Exactly. You know, so it's like when you are yourself and, and there's mm. a you, you know, so like in my in the workplace, the last workplace I've been in is like obvious again a minority. Mm. You know, so it's like but really and, and unfortunately when we are in a minority it's like people look at you to represent your whole race. Mm. You know, that's the thing. So sometimes there's an additional pressure on that. Mm. but really it's like just being yourself is key and then also educating people yeah. on things like not like the whole black history or anything like that, but just minor things i remember i had a colleague um a, a conversation with a colleague one time you know um in the bathroom because in the bathroom where mm. we were at work there's like all these cream and stuff like that and and we finished bath and i got out my vaseline for my bag right because mm. i weren't using that she said why don't you use the creams i said i can't use that cream it's, it's it doesn't do anything for my hand i have to use vaseline <laughs> <laughs> you know because like that's that stuff doesn't penetrate yeah she's like oh my gosh she's like, really that's a jet for a lot of black people creams all these creams you yeah. see in the bathroom are useless because yeah. they don't do nothing for us she's like i've never known that never thought about small that. things like the that small things, make a difference you know yeah so it's just those small things like bringing them uh, letting them be aware of the fact that mm, there's another world mm, beyond what you mm, live in mm. you know and but doing it in a nice way now exactly you know, that's the thing no aggression nothing like that it's just like be educated now you know yeah you yeah know? so those little things it, it makes a difference in the long run it does make a difference. I think, I remember one time when you, you spoke about the cream thing, I remember one time um, and there was a workplace I was working at and they got makeup artists to come in for our Christmas party to do, mm. you know, hair and makeup and everything. And I looked at, they sent us the um, profiles of the makeup artists and hairstylists coming in. And at the time I had short hair. And I remember emailing HR saying, hey, there's not one black makeup artist here. And we've got quite a few black women here. There's not one black hairstylist at all. And they made me, I guess, put in a pitch as to why we need to have different hairstylists mm. to white ladies. And I had to, but they, they did it in the end. And I said, okay, fine. Yeah. We have different hair. Our, mm -hmm. skin, our skin tones are different. Mm. Makeup looks that different. Shades look different on us. And we need to be looking as nice as everybody else. If you're going to do it, do it for everyone. Yeah. And they did it in the end. And I think all the other black ladies were really appreciative. But I was thinking, if I didn't say anything, Everyone was just gonna look crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking, looking, cra looking crazy like that's yeah. So I mean, like, even if like I encourage again, just to echo your point, even if things are really, really small, I mm. think mentioning the small things make a difference it as does. well. So yeah. that's that, yeah. that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. In regards to I guess 
um, the entrepreneur side of you now, just to kind of move on to that. When was the first time you decided outside of university to start up your own your own business and what was that? Mm. It was actually age seven. <laughs> no, 11. 11, 11. Yeah. okay. This was age 11 with my brothers and sisters. So again, this is going to date me. Um, but we set up a typing business, right? So I was around when typewriters were still a thing, <laughs> you know? What the? <laughs> As a... <laughs> and when the paper, the paper. <laughs> you know, so, yep, I was around. My dad was, my dad was, is a writer. He's written about 30 books or so, right? So published. Oh, wow. So he used to, he had a typewriter. He used to chuck on, chuck on, chuck on, you know? So when we first got computers, my dad's like, ooh. I've got five children, free slave labor, right? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he would he would have all his typewritten manuscripts and he gave, and they were like thick, thick, thick things. And he would give them to us to type for him on the computer when we first got computers, right? So we'd be there like typing in turns, like, you know? I'm number four or five. My little brother didn't get involved, he was too young. Um, but yeah, so we were typing. And then I can't remember which one of us had the idea one day. We were like, listen, if my dad needs this help, then there's going to be other people out there like him who's mm. going to need help typing. Mm. So why don't we charge people to do this? Mm. So my brother, who's very creative, my older brother, designed a flyer, you know, and then we wrote on it, Link's Typing Service. That's mm. what we were called at the time, you know. And we literally went to the station. We live in East London at the time. Went to Leighton Station and we started handing out our flyers, you know. So we were targeting, like, professors, you know, yeah. like people like that who, you know, maybe worked at university, students, whatever, needed help typing. And after a while of doing this, we started to get business, you know. So that's what we were doing for a summer. We were doing typing, typing manuscripts for people and getting paid. Do you remember how much you charged? I don't remember how much, but I remember I saw notes. <laughs> so there was some. So notes. there was good yeah, money coming from it. Yeah, it was good money coming from it. You I, know? Love yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I was that. the accountant, so. So you was keeping track of the money. keeping track of the money. I was like, wow, this is pretty good. And we would have carried it on, except school got in the way. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but still, it's still something good that, yeah. you, that you did in summer just to get some extra money because. Yeah. Yeah, more time, I mean, I don't know about when you was growing up, sometimes if I wanted the new pair of kickers or a new school bag yeah. or, you know, something that my parents didn't want to buy for me because they didn't mm. think it was relevant, I can buy it myself yes, if you if yeah. you make money. So I never had designer stuff growing up. No brand names. We had Nicks. Forget <laughs> <laughs> Nike, we had Nicks. <laughs> I, so I, think, you know? I think I begged for about seven, eight years before I got a pair of kickers. Yeah. Ages. I never forget, I used to, like when, when my dad used to give me um shoes that he bought that wasn't kickers <laughs> yeah. i used to mash them up on purpose <laughs> i used to mash them up and he used to be like you mash them up you're gonna go to school if you mash up shoes mm -hmm. like like that was <laughs> that was <laughs> his thing but <laughs> so i feel you my friends were not that either but um so that, that was your first business yeah what about after that what, what else what else did you do yeah so then after that is just um so that was that. And then 19, I did the magazine. And then about 24, I did a raw foods business with my husband. And I we saw that. With that, yeah. So we got together well really young. So, um, and we got married about that time anyway. So yeah, raw foods was just about healthy eating fruits, vegetables, yeah. nuts and seeds. So 
the thing is about that time just before we started that i started cvs going down the road of doing cvs because as you mentioned cv writing because writing is something i've always been good at and i mm. love editing mm. so i in when i was in that edit um assistant editor magazine job is how i started the cv one right mm. and the raw foods came just a bit later through my husband mm. because i used to have to recruit people um, as well for the magazines. I used to right. work with freelancers and people wanted to do work experience and so people were sending me CVs, cover letters and most of the time they were rubbish. Yeah. You know, they were really bad. So my entrepreneurial mind just kind of went, ooh, you know, I'm sure I can help people out. So I started, I tested it out on some of my colleagues and mm. said to them, how much would you pay me to do your CV? And I did it, they loved it. And I remember my first money I made from CV was like 30 quid she paid me to do her CV okay. way back I was like ooh someone can pay me for it then that's the not? test right yeah. if one person can pay, pay you, you more than one person can yeah. pay you you yeah. know so that was it again brother printed flyers and I <laughs> distributed flyers and I was in business that was how I started my CV business and that ended up taking a whole life of its own for like 12 years but in between I did this raw foods thing with my husband because he got into like healthy mm. eating and all of that kind of stuff and at first I was like well, I'm not interested I mm. like my carbs <laughs> 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 but eventually I joined yeah. you know and we we managed to like we got we got funding to do the business and we won an award from it and all that kind of stuff and at one point we were like we're gonna be the McDonald's of healthy eating you know, we're gonna take this thing. Cause I don't. When I dream, I don't just dream. I yeah, dream yeah. No, but I, I love that. I'm, yeah. here, I'm sitting here smiling. For those that are listening, I'm yeah. sitting here smiling and all. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you know. So we never got there, but at the time, we if we had st some, and this is where some of that whole regret thing comes of it. Yeah. Because it's like I'm like, imagine if we had stuck at it. Because it's a big thing now. And now it's a massive. It's a big it's a thing. it's a big but thing when now. We were there. We were one of the early adopters. What know? was the business model at the time? Was it like a a place that people can kind of go and eat? or like what was yeah. the concept of it that was eventually what we wanted a place where people can come and eat healthy <laughs> stuff but what we were doing at the time was we were teaching classes so we would ah. rent out spaces and teach people how to make what well, i i wasn't cooking on cooking because i was rubbish at that side so <laughs> my husband did the, that i was the money person right, you know, okay. as, you know? <laughs> as always, <laughs> as always. yeah exactly and all the other stuff and yeah. admin ad but he's the one he was in in front of the cameras teaching doing all of that kind of stuff so that was the business model that we taught people how to live better mm -hmm. through eating these things and these recipes mm -hmm. and eventually we wanted a space where we can do it but but that was hard work yeah because afterwards we had to take all our equipment home and the washing up was hell mm. <laughs> it literally was hell and back then you probably didn't have yeah. a dishwasher we, oh we didn't anything. have a dishwasher yeah. i had to we had to and i said to him i cannot this is not the life i was put on this earth to live <laughs> <laughs> you know so so yeah that was that, that this isn't soft, <laughs> this is not soft <laughs> it was a hard knock life all that washing up after yeah anger. i can imagine and the money correlation wasn't it didn't make that, sense it was it didn't make sense and i didn't love it as much because i was still yeah. doing my stuff so eventually it kind of filtered out you know and that was that was the end of that how long did you do that for we did that full on, maybe for about 18 months or that's, so. That's still a long yeah. time to do it. Plus you yeah. had your full-time job. Plus yeah. you were doing CV I writing as well. CV, yeah, yeah. Out of interest, how did you structure your, your CV writing service? Because I did it for a very short time period. Now I don't do CV rewriting because I'm... I, I'm better at speaking and guiding you yeah. <laughs> versus me actually writing. Mm -hmm. But how but how did you structure it? Did you just do a certain amount a day mm -hmm. or a week? 
Yes. Um, so how did I stretch it? I, I never had a plan. Okay. So just like with all the businesses that I did, I'm just someone who just followed my passions. Mm. So I never had it. I was never strategic. Like, I'm going to do this, this, this. It was just like, okay, I'm just going to advertise. If anyone comes to me, you know, so there was a time I, I remember um, I used to do face-to-face -face meetings with people. For 60 quid, you know, I traveled to face to face. face to face, meet face to face, get all the details, write your CV, send it after 60 quid. I was like, no, nah, this ain't happening. So I stopped doing face to face and went to online only. But long story short, I would kind of do it outside of my day job, mm. you know, just as and when I could fit it in. So weekends and day. evenings. Yeah, weekends, evenings, you know, kind of thing. But I've always kind of had like a flexible mindset towards work. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm goal orientated. Like I'm like, okay, what's the result we need to achieve? All right, mm. let's make it happen. Mm. So don't tell me the how. Mm. Like don't micromanage manage yeah. the how. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so it get done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it gets done. Yeah. It gets done excellently. But yeah. just don't tell me the how, because yeah. I can work my own time. Yeah. So I was flexible in terms of how I did it. You mm. know, around the time, but it was always kind of around what I was doing. But eventually, I ended up writing a book. Um, my saw, first yeah. book, Seven Keys to Winning CV, I actually got a publishing deal for. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. So, because I couldn't be everywhere. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I feel like is much more. Um, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess that lasts longer yeah. because you're always going to get questions. You're always going to get people following up with you. Yeah. I realised that the other week when I did um, a LinkedIn um, workshop, again, I'd love to ask you questions about LinkedIn, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did a LinkedIn workshop to um, some young black ladies and the follow-up questions I had afterwards, they were all so similar. I was like, I wish I had just something to just send to them. <laughs> like, like, to be like, it's all the answers I hear. So, you know, so I understand yeah. why you ended up writing the book. Yeah, that's the power of a book. A mm. book can go where you can't. And it's exactly. just like, it can give everything all in one. And then that book also opened doors to like speaking engagements, you know, uh... lots of stuff. Yeah, so it just, it opened a whole new avenue. Now you're an author. Not only that, I was, I was a published author. Wasn't yeah. I still get royalties to this day. That's amazing. That book, but it's, but still, it's still it's something. Still that, you know? Yeah, and, and you never yeah. know where yeah. that might, the, 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 yeah. there might be like a whole, I don't know, phase where people are just looking for any book that can help them with CV writing. Yeah. So, that, so that's a really good shout. Um, how long did it take you to write that book and did you write it yourself or get a ghostwriter? Oh me, I'm a writer. Of course, that, of yeah, course. Yeah, that's of one course. thing I can never get someone else to do because okay. I love writing. But it took, it literally took me a few months to write that. Huh? that it wasn't long at all because I was teaching it before I wrote right, it. Right, so you knew exactly what I to say. I knew exactly yeah, what yeah. to say in the book because I taught it for so much. I'd started speaking around it, all of that. So it was just kind of like the structure was in my head. Right. I created my own formula of the seven keys to a winning right. CV. Right, right. Said, like this, this, this and that. And that was it. Once I had the formula myself, the book writing part was easy. Perfect. You know? yeah. And then after that book, which one did you write afterwards? So after that, my so that book was published 2011. And then 2014, I wrote The Science of the Successful Job Hunting. You know, I expanded it beyond just CVs to now. It's like job hunting, okay, other things like LinkedIn came in a little bit in that mm. book. Mm. You know, so that was 2014. And then um, 2018, I wrote a children's book called My Little Book of I Am's. Now, oh. you know, that one was like, it was for my girls, yeah, my daughters. Because I remember at the time they were young and they went mm. to my oldest, who was about four, she would go to nursery, you know, mm. and because she's similar nature to me, mm. you know, so it's like, 
at, at, at nursery and stuff like that, they would say things like, oh, she's such a sweet little girl, but she's so shy. <laughs> you know, she's yeah. like all of, I'm like, you guys don't understand yeah, the whole she's, personality she's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. You know, but they would speak. And then sometimes the teachers and people in authority, have the words are powerful. Mm. And if they're speaking, it's over your child every day. She's so shy. And I used to correct them. She's not shy. She's just quiet. Yeah. There's a difference, yeah. you know. But I remember one time it really bothered me. And I remember I prayed about it. I said, God, like, they keep saying this stuff, like, you know. And God said to me, listen, what you speak into her at home matters more mm. than what they say outside. Mm. You know, so, and that was like, it was like a period of a, I don't know how long it took, but it was really quick. It's like just this whole idea of let me get them confessing about mm. themselves because the power of your words is important 100%. first what god says about you is most transformation second mm. what you say about yourself mm, mm, mm. you know so it's like from that little age we started getting them confessing like i wrote the book for them it's got things like i am creative you know my imagination is great my words have power so mm. every single day i would have my girls mm. speak that over themselves mm -hmm. until it was like I learned this as an adult and I'm like, imagine what would happen to their life. Exactly. Now. So exactly. that's why I wrote the book and I got the illustrations done with little black girls on it. Cause again, yeah. children's books are not diverse yeah. for the most part. So they've got a book where they can see themselves, Yeah. you know, and then I, I put that. it out and published it on Amazon, self-published and people love it. So I love, yeah. love, love that. I feel like we need to have like mm. a, a TV series, <laughs> like mm. on one of those kids channels that are, that's like that, that yeah. kind of, that's, based around words of affirmation and speaking light mm. into your life and everything. I love that. Yeah, it's so important as kids and adults for us to just speak words of life yeah. to yourself. You know, you create your worlds by what you 100, say. 100%, yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. On to, okay, so on to just LinkedIn as mm -hmm. well, because I know that you're an expert in now. <laughs> do you rewrite people's LinkedIn or do you just advise them on how to restructure no it? No rewriting. Again, okay. when I started, <laughs> you're doing the I rewriting. did everything. Yeah, <laughs> but know? now? Yeah, now I coach. So okay. I coach, I teach, I train. So um, I run programs. I work primarily with women, you know, female leaders, women in business. And it's really about building a personal brand on LinkedIn by being visible. That's my key message. Start being visible. So no more hiding. Okay. Seen, you know, yeah. How do you do that without being annoying? Mm -hmm. So, because I, again, this is more of a question for myself mm -hmm. because I had this, this struggle internally. Like, okay, I want to post. I want to put things out there. I want to be visible, but I don't want to be annoying. Mm. So how have you mastered doing that? Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll preface that by saying I have posted every single day, weekday on LinkedIn for over three years now. Wow. You know, every single weekdays and some weekends as well. And I still haven't run out of things to say. And I still haven't annoyed enough people for them to boot me off LinkedIn. <laughs> but, it, but it works. But as what's happened in that period of time, I went from having a few thousand followers to now over 50,000 followers, all organic, never paid for advertising or anything like that. Um, been recognized as a LinkedIn influencer officially by LinkedIn. I have a creative manager, all Amazing. of that kind of stuff. And, and I've built a business mm. from doing this. But... The, the, that annoying thing I hear a lot because as women we're conscious about a lot of things mm. like, oh, I don't want to know people I don't want to be salesy I don't want to be all of that kind of stuff but here's the thing my business coach told me years ago when I used to be worried about that she said listen 
your people will never find you annoying. Mm. In fact, they want more of you. The more of you they get, the mm. more of you they want. Mm. You know, so I've had people who've become clients after months of binging on my stuff. You know, yeah. so I, I literally had a, a sales call last week and I posted about this on LinkedIn. Uh, there's one woman I was speaking to. It, it wasn't even a sales call because like, by the time I came to tell her about my service, she's like, Mildred, I'm already sold on you. She's like, I've read all your posts. I read your newsletters. So I, interesting. You know, I've got your book. I'm like, I'm done. I'm sold. So, I'm like, okay. The, so, okay. So <laughs> yeah. the reason why I can co-sign this, mm -hmm. right? Because I have I have had that question less more so recently, but I'm asking this question just in case someone else thinks that out there, right? Um, but I had um, a conversation with someone called Adrian who runs the Sound of Accra podcast mm -hmm. when I was in Ghana, and he said to me, "I'm gonna give you a challenge." He said, "Post every day in February on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Just try that and see what that does for you." And in a short space of time, um, that's I think what might have helped with there's I think there's like four talks that I got that was reached out to, people reached out to me for mm -hmm. I think that's from LinkedIn yeah. not I think they reached out to me on LinkedIn yeah. so I think that 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 helped um I had one person that I'm still pitching to I'm still waiting to hear back from him mm -hmm. but he comments or likes all of my posts and he messaged me last week saying to me keep the content coming mm -hmm. and I was like you haven't signed my deal yet <laughs> <laughs> but I will but I think it helps to keep you front of mind and I've noticed that so and again I've had the similar comments to, pe to people saying oh yeah you know I've, before even speaking to you I've mm -hmm. seen some of the content you've put out so I know you're passionate um, I got another paid opportunity mm -hmm. um, from a company in the States again it was just based off what they saw and I said this is just me doing it for just two or three weeks yeah every single day yeah imagine if I continue with that yeah yeah my question is how do you think of new things to say every mm. single day do yeah. you plan ahead do you just go with the flow like mm. what's your strategy because me right now i go with the flow mm -hmm. about how I feel. <laughs> so how do you do it so it's, it's interesting you gave that everyday example because that's how i got started on this journey officially right okay before that i was on linkedin i was just kind of like if i knew it had potential but i was I would post when I was inspired, like most people, and inspiration comes maybe two, three times a month. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, inspiration is unfaithful. Do not yeah. regret it. Like, not, you know? So, like, so I was like, okay. So then at the beginning of 2020, I was like, I need to get serious about LinkedIn because yeah. this is the place. So I joined the 30-day challenge, you know? Ah, and in that challenge, okay. they had us posting every single day for 30 days. Wow. And at first, it was a challenge because I went from two, three times a month to like every yeah. single day it's like what do I say what do I but the muscle that you're working is just that visibility muscle yeah you know when you're just like when you start off in the gym you're not gonna get biceps after pulling away yeah. for like one minute in one day continuously after that then you start to see it gets easier it gets easier so it's that whole thing of like once you get started on that journey and you get that muscle working of visibility i'd mm. say to my clients visibility is a muscle you mm. have to work it you know so after that 30 days i worked that muscle so much it became a habit and i never stopped right and then i started to see the, the results, results just like what you're talking about speaking engagement yeah. all of this stuff coming from is like this thing works <laughs> what am i gonna stop yeah now? it does you know, consistency is one of the biggest, most underrated secrets of success there is. Almost you every know? single guest on the podcast says this. I hope the listeners yeah. are hearing the theme. Like every 
Mm-hmm. I feel like every single guest has said consistency is a thing. Yes, yeah, you have got to be consistent, you know, and so many people start the race and they don't, don't finish, finish it, yeah. They don't finish or they yeah. get tired half the, halfway. So I always say, like, plan, start with us. So for now, you don't have to post five days a week, mm. but let's say you commit to three days a week. Mm. And say to yourself, I am going to post three days a week every single day. Mm. And then you plan it out. You said, how do Mm. I plan my stuff? Mm. First thing I want you to understand, I want you to understand if you're watching this, is like content is everywhere. Mm. You know, it's about recognizing it. Content Mm. is everywhere. And how Mm. you recognize it is one of the very first things you do is to honor every idea that you get. So many times we edit ourselves before it's even had a chance to come out. You know, so you honor the idea by writing it down. If you get something, it feels like, oh, this might be, this might be something. It mm, might not be anything, mm, but write it down. Mm. So I use my iNotes and I write down everything. You'll see that there's hundreds and hundreds of little, yeah. like just, I'm in the shower. and Same, I do that as yeah. well. Okay, I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm on the right track yeah. then. Because if you see my notes, you think I'm a mad lady. Honestly. <laughs> you just get it out or my of inbox. your head. I might email yeah. something to myself. Like. That's it, all of that, all of that. Yeah, it's just everywhere, recognise it. So just yeah. jot down those ideas. Perfect. And then so I just jot it down. And then once a week, on a Saturday usually, maybe Sunday, I'll sit down and I look for my notes from that week. And I'm like, okay, what's jumping out at me? Mm, you know? Okay. And, then, and because I have themes, you know, my, my posts tend to be inspirational sometimes. And I like to give... um educate people and I like mm. to so now because I have themes I'm like okay I like to share something that inspires people mm. I like to like I like to do a video at least once a week now mm. you know so I kind of feel okay what am I gonna put where and I'm running a business as mm. well so mm. like my my next group program opens in April so now I'm thinking okay the content that I put out is gonna inform people and also gonna lead them to you know, want to know more about my group coaching program. So it's like, I have to be strategic in that sense. I'm mm. not just going to put, I had a nice lunch today. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, Instagram yeah, yeah, one, no, yeah. but two, it's just kind of being strategic with the content, but just sit down and plan it out. Right. You know, say, right, I'm going to talk about this, this and that. If you have to have a theme, you know, say, I'm going to talk about this, this and that, mm. and then just put it out there. Mm. Again, look at your diary. You know, that's another place that content comes from. What do you mm. do in an average week? Mm. Like this podcast interview we're having, mm. that's content. I'm mm. going to talk about this, mm. you know? Mm. So like that sort of stuff is like, when you really think and understand that content is everywhere, you'll start to see mm. it everywhere. And then the more you post, the more your body, your mind is like, okay, this is this is what we do. We do LinkedIn. So right. LinkedIn becomes you be walking down the street and you have a thought it's like that's a LinkedIn thought. Yes, you know I, I have this you as know? well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, feel, yeah. I feel so comforted because I feel like I'm the mad one out of my friends that's mm. like, oh my gosh, let me do this on LinkedIn. And I'll be like, listen, we're watching a program. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so reassuring. Yeah. So would you say that um I guess with your with LinkedIn alongside the content the profile right is important mm-hmm. building yeah. a good LinkedIn profile what do you think makes a really attractive um LinkedIn profile like some of the key things mm-hmm. that people should think of oh yeah so the the profile is part of the pace formula which I talk about in my fourth book that's I was gonna say my final book but it's it's definitely not, final. not my final <laughs> <laughs> definitely not my final but um start being visible so um the profile is really important because that's where you craft the message that you mm. want to be known for mm. what is your personal brand what do you want people to think of when they think of you 
you know what's that one word that phrase that sentence whatever it is so for mine it's visible mm. you know start being visible that's my mantra mm. it's not i'm going to teach you about linkedin algorithms i couldn't care less about that though it's part of the whole process but really my work is to help women come out of hiding and start mm. shining the light i love you that know, that's that's yeah so that's what the visibility yeah. stuff is about so when it comes to your profile, it needs to be from your banner all the way to your headline, your about section. All of that needs to speak to your brand, but more importantly, who you're serving with that brand. Mm. So that's what makes a really powerful profile. If you go to mine now, you'll see from the top is like there's a lot. You see the word visible at least many times, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, because that's the message that I want to put across. Visible, visible, visible. If you want to start being visible on LinkedIn, think Mildred. You know, so you have to have that brand message reinforced throughout your profile to make it a powerful one. Perfect. Thank you for mm -hmm. sharing that. In regards to your course, you said you've got another course coming up um, in April, right? Yeah. So what are some of the things that you cover in the course? How long is it? Mm -hmm. Also, how much is it? If, if, if anyone's interested. We have, like, yeah. um, money, money lady. <laughs> we can talk about the money, it's fine. <laughs> uh, so so I, I'll answer the money one first and then I'll work backwards. Okay. And the reason I answer the money one first is because it, it it's a certain investment my listen to the words right invest it's fine i'm learning <laughs> me too i'm you learning <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's say it's a significant investment right now but it may not stay at that price so i don't want to say what the price is now okay okay listens to it like two months later and okay it goes to my website and it's gone up okay it's not gonna go down and go up okay <laughs> right no, but always <laughs> you know yeah. yeah that's the thing so let's just say it's a really significant investment mm. but what you get out of it is that in the program the accelerated program this one is a group one i only run it three times times a year it's called eight weeks to visible and it, um, I have a maximum of 10 women or high achieving kind of but really needing to be visible and I take you through the whole process of building a personal brand on LinkedIn so we cover mm. everything from you know profile to content we cover engagement audience but on the internal level it's whatever the barriers and the obstacles are that stops you from being visible in the first place. We smash those down mm. in the eight weeks because sometimes it's not that we don't know what to do is the fears are holding us back. Mm. We need someone who's going to hold our hands when we're feeling like, oh my God, you know, what are people going to think of me? You know, so mm. it's like my clients will call me up. Like sometimes it's like when they feel like, oh, okay, I'm not going to put this post that they say to me, they remember that I'm going to have to answer to Mildred on Friday, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you, you, better it, do it. <laughs> you better do it. So they get it done. So it's that whole accountability coaching, yeah. that whole support. And because I'm, I'm invested in my people, you know, um, the Bible says a good name is better than riches. So mm. it's really important to me that whenever anyone comes into my space, I want you to leave better than when you came. Mm. So that's really my passion, helping mm. women to become. I feel like there's so much of us that is hidden. There's so much of us that we're not even showing. And when you start really living out the fullness of who you are, not only does that open doors for you, but what it does for other people, it gives them permission mm. to be themselves on a whole new level. Mm. You know, I even had one woman as a side note, she said to me, um, she worked one of my former clients. She said, Mildred, the reason I chose you is like, I saw you turning up day in and day out on LinkedIn and you're like, you look like me, you had your natural hair. And I'm like, I don't see people with natural hair doing lives. And yeah. it's like, I could relate so much. And it made me think, if you can do this, so can I. Yeah, you know? I love that. Yeah, and I was like, that's the message I want. I want you to look at me shining yeah. my light and know that 
that gives you permission to do yours because other people are waiting for you to shine. Exactly. So that's what my program essentially does. It does the inner process, but also the really practical mm -hmm. external work needed to build a personal brand on LinkedIn. I love that. I'm guessing over time you refresh the, the content and the information in the in the course. course yeah, yeah, I do. It's, it's live because it's live. We do live coaching every week for the eight weeks as a group. And then there's also one to one sessions involved. But because it's live, I, whatever I learn and I'm constantly learning. I'm like, I'm a personal development. I'm always growing. Mm. So my clients get the best out of me because I'm always growing. They're always growing. Mm, mm, so mm. it's very much a case of mm. you get the hot, hot off the press type of knowledge, up to date stuff, as well as I have a course anyway that I created. You get lifetime access to. But ah. the, yeah, as part of the program. Um, I have a LinkedIn course that um that takes you through everything. But the learning really comes as well through the live coaching that we do. And this is something that you do full time, right? It, it, I'm going back to doing it full time. Okay. Literally ended this month. I did it full time and then I kind of side hustled again with a, um, this um, organisation I was working with to support their ethnic minority programme. Now I'm going back to doing it full time because this is, I love it and I need, yeah. I need my space to do it fully. Yeah, <laughs> no, honestly, yeah. honestly, I'm sitting here thinking, I hope Mildred doesn't think I've ever stolen her ideas because if I show you one of my plans on my, like, plan for this year mm -hmm. is to do some sort of more so for junior graduates mm -hmm. um development course on how to brand themselves and how to come out on linkedin but i feel like i can learn so much from you mm -hmm. so it actually might be a good investment for me to learn a lot from you before i pass mm -hmm. on to younger individuals is that allowed the thing is, I invest in a lot of programs myself. And when okay. I, whenever I do a program, I go with two, two eyes, right? One is to actually learn and they learn the thing. And the other is to learn how they do it. Okay, <laughs> you know? yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. So how I developed my high ticket group coaching program, which is what this is. I paid like 15K for a group coaching program for six months. And then it, it, they did their best, but it wasn't great. But I was able to take that knowledge and experience and create something better. Right, you know, yeah. so there's always when you're somebody who's into growth, you're mm. always like learning different okay. ways. So absolutely, okay, that's good then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't even think in like a year's time you were like Alicia. So, no, but, but yeah, no, honestly, yeah. it's it's yeah. like it's inspirational. Mm -hmm. Like what you're doing is inspirational. It's I feel like it's very effective, impactful, and um, I feel like I can even start by getting one of your books and seeing like how that can help me as well. Yeah. So I definitely will do that. It's my probably most to start with the vis visibility one i feel like yeah, that's where i'm at at the moment if i had remembered i would have got you no copy. no it's not it's fine i'll actually yeah. post with it and everything guys that'd be so yeah, good i should have brought it's okay it's okay yeah. but yeah that would be amazing <laughs> um and yeah is there anything else that we can kind of look forward to kind of going forward for mildred Sure, I got, I got, I got big plans. I got, yeah. big, I have a membership community called Visible Women Tribe, which I started in 2021. But I okay. kind of had to let, you know, pull, put a pause on. I'm planning to hit the button on that again very soon. But it's like a whole community of women, amazing, high achieving. And this is the thing. I, I, I do. Some guys do come to me. I work with guys a little bit, but really, mm. my work is with women. And mm. it's like giving women the permission to dream big. 
to go for it, mm. to be ambitious mm. and not feel no way about it. Mm. You know, like that's one of the things that I love. It's that whole thing of go and get it, mm. you know, go and get it and serve the world with it. Mm. You know, so Visible Women Tribe will be relaunching at some point soon, you know, to really encourage all of that stuff. And then I think if anyone, if you're listening and you want to find out how visible you are, I have a, a free test. I know, saw that. Take, yeah. So it's, yeah, to discover your LinkedIn visibility score. So you just go to startbeingvisible.com forward slash score and take that free test and then it will let you know just how well you're doing on the key areas of being visible on LinkedIn. That's such a good tool. How did you create, um, create that? That is, that I can tell you more about a, a that. Secret. Okay, like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> we, can't, we can't give you all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, take that test. I'll even take that test as well and post it and share. I'm happy to share. Can I share my results yeah, or no? Yeah, share away. Share okay. away. Okay. No, another piece of content. There we go. There we go. Content. <laughs> I took the, the my visibility test and this is my results. Yeah. Okay, perfect. perfect. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me um i think it's I, I think it's really honorable for you to come and yes speak and educate myself and everyone else that's listening mm-hmm. and um you're very inspirational very humble and um, i really appreciate you so thank you oh thank you so much you. beautiful conversation and that yeah. you're doing great things as well and i'm sure thank this is you. only the first of our connections i know yeah so <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it will yeah be. <laughs> Well, thank you, thank you. And thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to this um, Black Crate Connect podcast episode. Please share this with anyone who you feel like needs to increase their visibility, who needs to be empowered. Um, Like, subscribe, all the rest of it. And I'll see you all on the next Black Crate Connect podcast episode. Take care. Bye. Bye.